You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Kings chapter number 16. I'd like to give a little bit of a background of what's occurring in these few chapters preceding chapter number 19. That'll be our focus uh, here this morning. But uh, we have a king whose name is Ahab, and his wife's name is Jezebel. And uh, I'd like to discover from the Bible the type of king that Ahab was, kind of give a context for our verses here. The Bible says in chapter 16 of 1 Kings in verse number 30, it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, so we see that Ahab, his dad's name is what? Omri, one more time, Ahab, his dad's name is Omri. So let's find out about his dad, okay? If you go back to verse number 25, the Bible says, But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord. You know what, if the verse stopped there, that would be a bad characterization, bad meaning not the way it's characterized, but the way to be characterized as somebody who does evil in the eyes of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, and did worse than all that were before him. If we go back to verse number uh, 30, the Bible says, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord. And again, that would be a, a bad thing to be said about our lives. And we learn that his father was worse than all that were before him. But watch what it says about Ahab now his son. And it says, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So he took his father's evil, if you will, to the next level. You know, it's been said numerous times to have standards and to have uh, uh, guidelines or to guard yourself. One of the reasons is for your children's sake. You know, it's been said many times, and it would be the exception, not the rule, that your children will not be more spiritual or have higher restrictions or guidelines or standards than the things that you set. And I understand that we shouldn't set frivolous things and say that this is from the Bible if it's not. I understand some of those are personal, some of those things that God has dealt with you, but I believe that we need to set the standard for the next generation. What a sad time it would be that a king did worse than all that were before him. It goes on to say in verse number 33, and Ahab made a grove. And watch this. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Needless to say, Ahab was a wicked king. In chapter 17 and verse number 1, the Bible says that Elijah told Ahab that there was not going to be rain for several years. And during these years, as the prophecy came to pass, Ahab sought for Elijah, but couldn't find him. We find about three years later in chapter 18, in verse number 1, that Elijah meets with Ahab. And in verse number 17 of this chapter, Ahab makes a, a profound statement. When Ahab sees Elijah, he makes the statement, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Why is that a profound statement? Because Ahab, first of all, was a wicked king, so much so that he was, he was more vile and more evil and did more to provoke 
the Lord God than all the kings that were before him. And as a direct result of that, God brought judgment on the land. But what's amazing to me is that through it all, you would think that during these three years of God's judgment, of not giving rain upon the earth, that at some point in time, Ahab would have realized, hey, God is the one that supplies the rain. God is the one that brings abundance and gives uh, prosperity. That he would have recognized that, you know what, maybe I need to change what I'm doing. But instead of that, who does he point to? The man of God. You know what, it's not too different than America today. Who are the ones that are causing trouble in America? You know who it is? It's the Christians. The intolerant Christians who are following an ancient book, right? But the problem is, is the reality is, is, is the evil that's in the world. And you know what? It reminds me of even David and how he had sinned, and it took a prophet that came to him and said, Hey, thou art the man. And verse number 18, the Bible says that Ahab and the people had forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and we're following Balaam. We have in chapter 18 the details of when Elijah calls down fire from heaven. And what a miraculous occasion and event that would have been to see. At the same time, in verse number 40, Elijah has the prophets of Baal slain. And then we arrive at our text that I'd like to focus on in chapter 19. And the Bible says in verse number 1 that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Jezebel makes a proclamation that she's going to have Elijah killed. And in verse number 3, the Bible says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Verse number 5, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came to again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah repeats what he said before, saying that he's the only one left. In verse 15, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king of Assyria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, 
shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahalah, shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. I'd like to talk about three challenges or difficulties that Elijah faced and how he got through them. I'd like us to correlate some of the challenges or difficulties that Elijah faced with maybe some of the challenge and difficulties that maybe we have faced, that we're currently facing, or that we'll face in the future. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that I have to preach the precious word of God. And Lord, I'm undeserving, I'm unworthy, but I thank you so much for the opportunity. I pray that you'd allow me to have wisdom as I preach. I pray that your people would be challenged, would be encouraged, would be renewed from the word of God. I pray that you do a work that only you can do, for we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing for so long. You may be seated. I'd like to offer some biblical wisdom that I believe can help us when we face similar challenges and difficulties in our lives. Let me just say this. Challenges and difficulties are going to come. It's not if challenges and difficulties come, but when, and maybe how often, and to what extent. The Bible says in Job 14.1, Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The Bible tells us that Jesus' life can be characterized by he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet somehow I feel like we as Christians, and maybe this is just my personal feeling or from my limited amount of experience, but somehow we get the notion in life that if we're doing what's right, if we're following God, if we're, we're trying to do what's right, that all of life is just going to be smooth sailing and the challenges and the difficulties are not going to come in life. But that can be further from the truth. Jesus, God's Son, came to this earth. He was despised. He was rejected. He was acquainted with grief. And how can we think that our lives would be much better than that? Don't think, we shouldn't think in our lives that simply by obeying God that challenges are simply not going to take place. And by the way, challenges and difficulties are not here to break us. I'm so glad the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The Bible says here, the journey is too great for thee. And let me just emphasize and let me just say that the journey is too great for us to deal with on our own. And that's why it says, I can do all things. But a lot of times we stop there and we try to do everything by ourselves. But the reality is, we can't do it on our own. We can't make it through this life on our own. We can't face the difficulties and challenges and have, have God's power and have God's presence without God in our lives. But I'm so glad that we can do it all with His strength. The trials and the difficulties and the challenges are not meant to break us, but to strengthen us and to increase our faith. The Bible says, A just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. Three challenges that I see. First of all, I see the challenge found in verse number four. The Bible says, But he himself went his day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and here it is, and he requested for himself that he might die. 
and said, it is enough. Have you ever been to a place and point in time in your life that you would have really rather died than, than dealt with it? Has the thought of death felt like it would be less painful than continuing to deal with the challenges or difficulties that you're facing? Have you ever made the statement, it is enough? Or maybe in today's vernacular, we would say, enough is enough. Or maybe you were one of those children who, were, who was like me, that uh, you would push your parents to the limits in certain areas, and you would find out at what point in time wasn't when you couldn't continue doing what you're doing. And those parents would make the profound statement, uh, you know, that's enough. Or I've had enough. And you knew right then that if you continue crossing the line, it was going to be a very bad uh, reaction that took place after that. You know, probably time out in the corner, amen. But uh, <laughs> he was at a point in time in his life that he said, you know what, it's enough. The challenges and the difficulties, they're too much. And by the way, you would have thought with Elijah calling down fire from heaven and seeing God work and seeing God's presence manifest so greatly that he would have had great faith. But the reality is he's no different than us. We've seen God do some incredible things in our life, yet when the trials come, yet when the challenges come, our faith seems to wander and we wonder maybe at some point in time, why don't you just take me home? But let me just say this, if you're still here, if you're still breathing in the auditorium, God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. And the difficulties and the challenges and the trials that come in life can encourage us and can strengthen us in our walk with the Lord. There's been many great servants of God through the years that have thought that enough was enough or they've had enough or would have rather have had their life taken away than continue living through what they lived with. And by the way, you know what? It's one thing if the challenges that came in life were of our own doing. You know, there are many times in life I could give a personal testimony for the next several years of all the mistakes that I've made. And as a result of those mistakes, the challenges and the difficulties that have come as a result of them. But that's not what we're talking about here today. We're talking about a man who is simply following God's command. And then the challenges and the difficulties came. What challenges are you facing today? that you need God's intervention. Maybe it's something with your family. There's some difficulties, there's some challenges, there's some uh, impossible feats that you foresee that are taking place. Maybe it's with your future. You've, get, you've given some news, or something's happened with your future. Maybe it's with your finances, or maybe it's with the area of failure. Maybe it's with your friends. But let me just say this, we're either in a challenge, coming out of the challenge, or we're going to face one in the future, and God's Word can tell us exactly how to get through them. Some of the most difficult times in our life follow after great victories. You know, we just had a revival, winter revival this last week, and God met with us, and decisions were made, and folks got saved, and made decisions, no doubt, for the cause of Christ. But let me just tell you this, right after those great victories, right after those great decisions, right after God meets with us, then comes the devil. Then comes the difficulties, and then comes the challenges, but those are all areas where we can apply the Word of God to our lives. I wonder if we're on a mountaintop or in a valley here this morning. Elijah had experienced that great miracle 
And now he was facing a great difficulty in his life. Maybe he pondered, why am I still alive? Maybe he pondered, am I really going to die at the hand of Jezebel? Is this really it for me? And let me just again say, if you're still breathing, God has something for you to do. Number one, I find the challenge that he had was the fact that he was still alive. There's a proclamation saying that he was going to die within 24 hours. So number one, he was alive. Number two, in verse number 10, the Bible says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He repeats this again in verse number 14, I, even I only, am left. You know, I see another challenge that he faced was he thought that he was the only one left. He felt like he was alone. Have you ever been there before when you're facing challenges or when you're facing difficulties and you feel like you can't get a hold of even the presence of God, that literally you're just here by yourself? Then maybe you wonder, man, nobody else has dealt with this and, and, and nobody else is dealing what I'm going through. And I look around the auditorium and I look at folks and they're happy and they're excited and they've got God's blessing. And I look at their family and it's not like my family. I look at their finances and it's not like my finances. And we put ourselves into a corner and feel like, you know what, I'm alone. Nobody else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. And let me just say this again, you're not alone. The Bible says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And by the way, that's why coming to church is important. The, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. But exhorting one another, just as much as it is a command to go to church, to not forsake the assembling, it's a command to encourage and exhort other Christians that are here. You know, we've had some folks come through the line. I'm thankful for all the visitors that are in our service. And I, I believe that we're one of the friendliest churches uh, around. You know, are, they're so uh, inviting and go out of their way to talk to folks. But the reality is, whose role is it? Whose job is it to make friends? You know, we've had some folks come through the years and they, they say, you know what, that church is just not friendly. Nobody talked to me or whatever else. Well, the reality is the Bible says, a friend that hath friends must show himself friendly. You know, maybe it's the case where you're like, hey, you know what, uh, church starts at 11 o'clock. And so at 11.02, you're walking in the auditorium, you find your place there, and as soon as the piano begins to play at the invitation, you're in the car, and you're the first one in line at the, the place, and then you sit down and, and have a conversation when you're having a discouraging time, or having a difficult time, or facing a challenge, and you start thinking, you know what, nobody at that church even talks to me. Nobody goes out of their way to say hi, nobody does this or that or the other, well let me encourage you, come a few minutes early, Amen. Walk around the auditorium and meet folks. And you know what? Stay a few minutes after the service and, and talk to folks and encourage one another. You never know what you going around trying to be an encouragement and just listening to folks, what it may do to that person. And by the way, that's what our role is here. Not just to come fill a pew on a Sunday morning, but to encourage and to exhort everyone else. And by the way, let me just tell you this. If you're feeling discouraged, do you know what will happen when you start to talk to folks? They'll begin to encourage you as well. You know what encourages, encourages me sometimes even visiting Shut-In or visiting folks and you just, you just scratch your head and you're thinking, how, how do they still have joy? How do they still have peace? I can't imagine being in this situation, but they can do so much to encourage you. He faced the difficulty, the challenge of 
of uh, feeling like he was alive and saying, why am I still here? Maybe we're there this morning. He faced the difficulty of feeling alone. Let me encourage you to join a Sunday school class if you don't have one already. And the, the importance of fellowship. But you know what? There's a few verses that God gives us with this uh, challenge of being alone. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. John 14, 18, the Bible says, I will not leave you comfortless. And I thank, I, I thank God that he left us with the Holy Spirit that encourages us, that reminds us, that teaches us here in this life. He was alive. He was alone. Number three, and, and verse number three, the Bible says, he arose and went for his life. Maybe the challenge or the difficulty that you're facing today is one word, the word afraid. Maybe there's been some news in your life. There's been some uh, uh, information that's come that almost seems too difficult to overcome. The Bible says in Isaiah 41:10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm so glad that God promises that he'll never leave us alone, that he'll never forsake us no matter what difficulty may come. No matter how discouraging we are, we can still hear the voice of the Lord and God can give us the strength that we need to continue carrying on. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now don't get me wrong, fear is the natural human reaction when we don't know how a situation will unfold. But let us not let, let, us not let fear grip our lives. That's where faith steps in. You know what the world's reaction, the unsaved reaction should be fear when the unknown is there. The Christian's reaction should not be fear, it should be faith. And claiming the promises that God has already established and knowing that God is in control of every situation that may come here in this life. I see the challenges alive, alone, afraid. But how did he get through them? In verse number 9, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to him. And by the way, not just the word of the Lord came to him. In verse number 13, the Bible says that he heard it. And let me just say this, God is still speaking. God hasn't stopped speaking. So if we're not hearing it, the issue is with us. So not is it, we need, we need to hear the voice of the Lord, but not only do we need to, to recognize that there is a voice of the Lord, we need to hear exactly what he has for us. If we're going to make it through challenges, if we're going to make it through difficulties, if we're going to make it through uh, uh, things that come, trials that come in our lives, we're going to have to hear the voice of the Lord. And by the way, if it, was, if it was my design and my logic, I would have the voice of the Lord echoing from the halls of heaven, right? God, if you want to speak to me, God, I'm dealing with this tragedy. God, I'm dealing with this challenge. God, I'm discouraged. I've got these things going on. What would be great is for God to open up the heavens and call out and say, hey, Dad, it's going to be okay. And that would help me to be encouraged, right? But that's not how God speaks. The Bible gives the example that the wind came and rent the rocks and all these things going on, but it says he wasn't in that. And you know what? Okay, well, if you're not going to open up the voice of heaven and call out, then maybe there could be a great earthquake. You know, how many have been in an earthquake before? 
You know, coming from California, it's just an eerie feeling when you're sitting there and all of a sudden everything begins to shake. But you know what? It's like, I'll take that as well. Hey, God, just shake the whole earth and through that I'll know that you're speaking. I'll, I'll know that you're still in control. And God, you've got a hold of this situation. You can bring me through it. But the Bible says he wasn't in the earthquake. And then I find it amazing that the next thing that he mentions is a fire. And I'm, I'm reminded of just a few chapters before about Elijah standing there and calling upon God and the fire of God falling from heaven. And you know what? That would have been a great way for Elijah to be reminded once again to say, hey, I'm still God and I'm still in control and I've got everything taken care of. But the Bible says there was a fire, but he wasn't in the fire. So how did he come? In a still, small voice. Do you know what's interesting about a still, small voice? If you're busy talking, you're not going to hear it. But I think a lot of our reactions, and I don't think it's, obviously it's a good thing to ask folks to pray for you and to, to, to let people know, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. I think that's important to get it out, you know, maybe to an individual or to one person or somebody that you can bite in. But if we're too busy going around telling everybody else about all of our problems and whatever else, we're not going to hear the voice of the Lord. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. How are we going to get through difficulties? How are we going to get through challenges that come in life? You know, we're going to have to hear the word of the Lord. When is the last time that God spoke to you? And maybe it was during this revival service and we got renewed and re-energized and heard from the Lord. Or maybe it's through our devotions and we, we, we pray and say, Hey, God, reveal yourself to me. I need something from your word today. And God illuminates his word and speaks to our heart. Or maybe it's been a little while since we've heard from the Lord. And it's time to get back and say, hey God, I need to hear your voice because that's the only way that I'm going to make it through difficulties. That's the only way that I'm going to make it through challenges is with Christ. Because the Bible says the journey is too great for thee. We can't make it on our own strength with our own power. Sometimes we're too busy looking at the circumstances of life to see the Lord in the situation. But let me just say this, he's there and he's speaking not only did he hear the voice of the Lord and recognize it, the Bible says in verse number 13, he heeded it. The Bible says he went out. He could have just stayed in the cave. He could have heard the voice of the Lord saying, hey, go! And he could have just said, you know what, I'm comfortable right where I'm at. I'm discouraged. I don't know why I'm alive. I'm alone. I'm afraid. But you know what? In this cave, I'm okay. But you know what he did? He obeyed the voice of the Lord. We need to make a decision to not only recognize and hear the word of the Lord, but make a decision to say, when God speaks, I'm going to heed what he tells me to do. And again, our, our church attendance shouldn't be just merely to fit a pew, but to say, hey, God, I need something from your word today. Speak to my heart. And when you do, I'm going to be obedient to what you tell me to do. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him, it is sin. How do we get through these difficulties? How do we get through these challenges? By hearing the word of the Lord. How do we hear the word of the Lord? You know what it begins at salvation. I'm so glad that on September 18th, 1992, on a Friday night in Houston, Texas, behind Prairie Garden Baptist Church, that a man named Stephen Walker wasn't even talking to me. 
He was talking to two visitors who were at that boy's camp out, and uh, they'd identify the visitors and ask him, if you died today, do you know for sure that you'd go to heaven? And these two visitors, uh, as many visitors had said, no, I don't know that for sure. And Stephen Walker began to witness and began to go through the plan of salvation about how to get saved. And I remember repeating the verses, and, 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 and I already had them memorized. I'd been in church for many years. I could quote them to you. But I remember being convicted as I sat on that hay bale around that fire with those visitors and Stephen Walker, who wasn't even directing his attention to me and thinking, you know what, I've never done that. I've never made it personal in my life. Although I had the head knowledge, I had never applied it to my life. And I remember praying and asking Christ to save me on that night and getting baptized. And I'm so glad that they followed up and said, hey, you need to get baptized. And that helps you grow as a Christian. I'm so glad that I did that right afterwards, but maybe we're here today and we've never gotten saved. We, there's never been a time and a place where we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let me just say, then today is the day. It's time to stop thinking. It's time to stop wondering. It's time to stop saying, hey, I know how to do it and I've been in church and I've heard it. It's time to say today, have I ever done that in my life? If not, today is the day. Now is the appointed time. Behold, now is the acceptable day of salvation. And if it's not salvation, maybe it's baptism. If it's not baptism, you know what? God continues to speak through sanctification. You know what we hear oftentimes, but you know what? A lot of times God doesn't speak to because we've got too much sin that's going on in our lives. You know, I've, I've found many times in my life when adults have had assurance of salvation, a lot of times, not, not every time, but a lot of times through my experiences because there's been sin that's been Continuing and continuing and continuing. And they get reassurance of their salvation because they don't even know if they're saved because they're allowing the sin to continue in their life. And by the way, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind us that we're saved. And if we're not living and, and living by the Holy Spirit and his, his guidance, we're going to start to doubt our salvation as well. It's time to get clean. It's time to get right before God so that we can start hearing His voice. Making a commitment to tell God whatever you want me to do, that is what I'm willing to do. God can use you in whatever situation you're in for good. We just need to find the Lord in it. Maybe you're here and you're running from life's problems. You've been hiding. It's time to get the touch from God. It's time to listen to that still, small voice. It's time to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Maybe you're here and you're feeling defeated. You're feeling discouraged. You're feeling like throwing in the towel. It seems like you're the only one trying to do what's right, and yet trouble keeps coming. You're asking yourself, why me? Elijah was a man of God who did many great things, and yet trouble came. What challenges or what difficulties or what troubles are you facing with today? Maybe it's your mere existence. There's been so many problems that have been going on. Maybe it's health, maybe it's finances, maybe it's family that you say, hey, why am I still here? God, just take me home. If you're still here, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Maybe it's you feel alone. You feel isolated. Maybe it's you're afraid. You don't know how the future is going to be, but let me just say this. We can get through it by faith. The just shall live by faith. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never been saved. You've not heard the word of the Lord. I encourage you to get that settled today. Maybe it's in the area of sanctification with saying, hey, there's some things in my life that I need to clean up so that I can hear the word of the Lord because when are we going to need it? When the challenges and the difficulties come.
The, the, the ultimate form of pride in our life is living our daily lives without ever acknowledging God. Because basically what we're saying is, you know what, God, I've got this. I've got it. But oftentimes folks come back to church when they're facing challenges, when they're facing difficulties, when they finally come to the realization that, hey, I can't do it on my own. The journey is too great for me. But let's make a resolution to say, hey, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to recognize that right now. The journey's too great. God, I need you to get through day by day. And that way, when the challenges and the difficulties come, we can just continue abiding in the word of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.